0: This is Emily Wilkins with the Evaluation of the New Age Book Club. Okay, so I've had some time off. Um, for those that listen on a regular basis, I'm sorry. I was in class for eight weeks, and I haven't been in school in a while, and my last major was so boring. Um, I don't know, I just, I wasn't very excited about it. This new major, I'm I'm... I backtracked. I'm no longer going for a master's. I'm going for a bachelor's in, um, computer programming and security. And it's very interesting. Um, truthfully, I'm really glad I made the change. But in all of that, I've had a little bit of time. And so I do this for fun. I do this, uh, partially to organize my thoughts, but also, um, you know, I I do it for fun, right? Um, So when I read some of the self-help books, as much as I would love to get amped up about it, they're just, they're self-help books. You know what I mean? That's what they are. And don't get me wrong, I learn a lot from those books, and that's why I have them. And I'm not saying I'll never do them, but it was really hard for me, even though I love Jim Quick, it was really hard for me to get through that book as I'm reading all these other war books and uh, a little bit of fiction, and uh, manga. So, I've decided that I'm going to stick to the book that I've been working through, that way I can finish it before I have to start school again on the 18th of May, and also because it's just a really well-written book. I have not actually read a World War II history book by a Brit. So this is, I just think it's cool to hear the perspective of another allied force. Um, so, back to uh, Mr. Milton's How the Allies Won on D-Day, Soldier, Sailor, Frogman, Spy, Airman, Gangsta, killer, Die. And if you haven't listened to the last episode, I pretty much just talk about this badass commando who is um, a Hungarian uh uh, Jew and um, how he's he's fighting for the British though he's he's a he's a, he's part of the British commandos and he was uh, trying to take pictures of these mines um, so that we could figure out how to either get around them um, on D-Day or so that we knew what they were really capable of So that's how I, that's pretty much how I ended it. And he was actually talking with Rommel, who, uh, I don't want to misspeak, but I'm pretty sure Rommel was in charge of the 12th Panzer Division. So now we're at the Atlantic Wall. That's what chapter two is called. And, um, On the very first page there's this picture uh, and and it just talks about it just says beach obstacles on the Normandy coast were a key part of the Atlantic wall German soldiers are seen here diving for cover as the Allied reconnaissance plane sweep overhead so that was you know that was one of the reasons As the Allies were doing recon, that's how they actually realized, hey, there's a new mine. And, you know, a ship or something hit it and blew up, and they're like, oh, that's not a normal mine. That's why they sent these British commandos. Anyway, um, we're on page 23. And so 30 miles from where the commando lane was talking to Rommel, uh there's a hamlet called Les Recettes des Con de Con? De Acon? I don't know. I don't speak French. It's the only bad thing <laughs> is we're in France. And um so these uh these German soldiers, um, they're the, the they were hired commanders, um, specifically um Herbert Mayer. Uh, he was an officer in the 12th SS Panzer Division, and so even though there's these restrictions, he wants his wife. Um, he wants his wife to move with him and come with him to Normandy. So he admits, her, like, hey, this is totally illegal," but you know he hadn't been able to go on leave, which, uh, for those that don't know, military leave is vacation. So he's not able to go on leave to go see. So she she gets someone to watch her kids because you know the allies are. It's highly rumored and known, the allies are coming to take France away from Germany. Um, you know. And, and a conversation, and I didn't really go into the conversation that uh, the commando, Lane, had with Rommel. But Lane and, and Rommel, you know, they have this conversation, and Rommel's like, Listen, really, the the fact of the matter is, is that the English and the Germans shouldn't really be fighting each other. We should be fighting Russia that's who we should be fighting they're the real enemies and lane is like but i mean look at the way you know he's jewish and he's like but look at the way you treat jewish people and rommel's like well you know i mean we can go back and forth on that because not everyone thinks that you know thinks the way we think and then the conversation kind of just ends but um this wife uh her name is very German, and we're going to call her Irma, because that's not actually her name, but we're going to call her Irma. So, Irma knows, hey, these allies are going to land at some point soon. So, she doesn't bring her kids, and she goes to this hamlet, and, I mean, it's beautiful. But very shortly after moving there, there's a all these other German officers they do what they bring their wives too because they're like bro we haven't had leave uh in a long time and we miss our wives so they bring their wives and you know she's kind of like well I didn't get them to myself but what kind of makes up for it is one (laughs) there's this lake and it's you know obviously great to swim in and number two she gets to um she gets to know these dashing, and I say dashing because that's what the book says, dashing young officers of the 12th SS Panzer Division. Now, the way they describe them, I don't know if you ever seen uh, Harry Potter, Draco Malfoy. That's what I think of when <laughs> I think of Nazi, I feel so bad for that actor, but that's what I think of when I think of Nazi German soldier. And so happens, that's pretty much what they describe for several of these. Um, General Fritz Witt, which is one of the, you know, one of these officers that happens to live in this little house, that's four different... Uh, he is known to have ordered the massacre of 4,000 civilians. So these German soldiers are... Insane. These officers. And and um, one of them, um, Walter Kroger, uh, expresses his absolute confidence. This is on page 25. And, you know, this confidence was uh, predicted on the fact that his men have received a proper training in the Hitler youth. So, these these cold blooded Nazi veterans is what Rommel is is depending on to come through in the event of the evasion. And Rommel flat out says well, warns hands um I don't know how to say that name, but he, he warns the chief of staff that if the pandas the Panzers are not able to throw the 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 Allies off the mainland within forty eight hours, the war will be lost. You know, um, and and it was a policy. It was a policy that put him in direct confrontation with the you know the commander in chief in the West, field marshal. Gerd von Rundstrick, and also with Hitler himself. So Rommel is a very outspoken. Uh, I think he was a general, and he had to be, he had to have been if he was in charge of a, of a Panzer, which I'm not really sure exactly how large a Panzer is. I'll make sure I do some background research for the next podcast so I can tell you, so you can get a visual. But, and if you know, feel free to hit me up. I think there's a way for you to contact me on Spotify and or on the actual, um, you can always hit me up on Instagram. But anyway, if you know, you know, you don't, you don't. But so, yeah, basically, you know, one day, um, and the reason why they bring, the reason why I'm guessing he writes about... Herbert and, you know, the wives and, and, and these generals is to say that Herbert Meyer, um, is told, hey, uh, you know, we've been conducting these run uh, reconnaissance flights over England and, uh, we've been unable to, to see, um, what's going on over there. Like their defenses are impenetrable. Like we haven't been able to see what the hell's going on in England. And so that should have been a sign that, number one, you have no idea where they are in the invasion, in setting up for the invasion. You don't know. And they were so cocky and com- I don't even want to say confident, but they were just so arrogant. They were like, ah, whatever. So the rest of the chapter, it goes on to talk about um, Franz Gockel And he's a young soldier from northwest Germany. And uh, he was drafted in 1942 when he was 17 years old. And, um, he was in charge um he was in he spent his days in a concrete bunker bunker just above the beach at saint laurent sur mer. It was the very spot where Rommel had made his prediction of the allied landing. That's on page twenty six so you know they the rest of the chapter he kind of just tells the story of. You know, what What maybe this young kid, Gockel never realized was while the German pilots were spying from the air, the Allies were spying from the ground. And they were doing so in an unusual fashion. And I don't know how to explain this other than this is one of the coolest things that I learned while reading this book. So there's this guy. Um, I don't want to butcher his name. But he was a champion cyclist. In 1936, he received a sponsorship from La Peli. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, which is a racing bike manufacturer. This is on page 29 of this book. And, and you know, he he was winning road races. And he just, this guy was a phenomenal, a phenomenal biker, just a phenomenal racer. So he is probably the only person, it actually says he is the only spy in history to gather intelligence from the saddle of a La Prairie racing bike dressed in lightweight shorts and skin-tight jersey. He actually carried papers that were signed and stamped by the Gestapo. So he would stop at Pointe de Hoc, which was under... Uh, intense surveillance, and he collected over collected intelligence for three years um why this was important was uh because he was part of the um the French revolutionaries and he waited he waited to hear the signal um So on Friday, uh, I'm going to read right from the book. On Friday, 2nd June, um, he caught a train to Paris in order to meet with a solicitor by the name of Robert um, Delante, a fellow native of Normandy. Delante's skills went far beyond resolving legal disputes. For more than three years, he had been um, orchestrating the circuits of registers in which... uh, you know, Marcardo was the star churn. He now had some sensational view, uh, sensational news for this young protege, informing him that there was to be an imminent landing of the Allied forces. Furthermore, furthermore, he said that the exact date of the landing would be broadcast on BBC on one of the hundreds of coded message, message personales that filled the airways every. Evening. Each of these messages transmitted information to the resistance. Delante was very specific in his instructions. For what concerns specifically our region, we had to listen at 6.30 p.m. for the phrase, and I'm not going to mess it up because I don't know French, it is hot, ensues, this would be repeated in quick succession, then it would be followed by a second message, the dice are thrown, also broadcast twice as soon as he heard these two duplicate messages, um, the man on the bike was to inform his fellow resistors that the Allied landings were imminent it would be the signal for them to start their acts of sabotage blowing bridges cutting communication wires it would also be the signal that D-Day had finally arrived I I just want like I just wanted to read that <laughs> Because it's insane to think this cyclist, that's the word I was looking for. I said biker earlier. This cyclist, he's a he I mean, he's so good, he's sponsored. Um, it's 1944. It's 1944. And this young man, along with a bunch of other young French men, just every, I mean, we're talking to farmers and, and, you know, I mean, who knows? I don't know all their professions. These are just everyday Joes are now tasked with, they want their, they want France back. It's been three years of the Germans in their home. They want their shit back. They're willing to blow things up. Cut communication wise. They're willing to do anything to get their country back. And I mean, in times like today, um, you know, not to get super political, but in it, you know, when you see stuff like, when you see stuff like that, all you can do is go, wow. Um, what would you do for your home? I don't think that any, you know, most people have never had to defend their home, really defend what they've worked really hard for. And I think about these young people, you know, 17 years old being drafted, forced to fight a war they don't believe in. You know, these these everyday these civilians, that's who they they were civilians, these French revoli, revoli, uh, revolutionaries. You know, blowing up bridges and just doing crazy things. And then you have these crazy psychopaths, not that far from them, getting drunk off of, you know, French cider, talking about the good old days when, you know, they could kill 4,000 civilians for funsies. And it's like crazy to see the contrast, not to say that Americans and other allied forces haven't done some horrific things, but it's just it's a little wild and it's it, you know it's what makes world war 2 such a fascinating dynamic is the levels and i mean you can just keep pulling back the layers of world war 2 and i don't even i mean they're just it's just insane to see the european war v- versus the pacific and what we were you know and that's flyboys we were down in the pacific uh and I didn't even, you know, I didn't even read, I, I haven't even scratched the surface on that front, but this book, yeah, just, I mean, hidden gems, things that I I, I don't think I've ever heard or, learned, or uh, learned about before, so anyway, I digress. As always, uh, get the book. Um, get the book. You know, you can become a member of Books A Million, which I did recently, because I want to keep the print alive. I like, to touch a book, I like to take notes in my book. I like to highlight in my book. Um, I love books. I have several bookshelves, and Books a Million. You can get anything that you can think of at Books a Million. If it's if it's print related, um, amazing bookstore, and you can buy stuff used as well. Also, of course, Barnes and Noble, um, Amazon. Uh, Goodwill. A lot of stuff that I buy on Amazon is actually usually, if it's a used book, it's through Goodwill. Um, you looking for something light, funny? My homie Dom, they have been inconsistent as I have been, but always go check out what you, So What She's Saying podcast. It's funny. I think me and my friend Dom are going to try to make a, um, a music podcast. Don't know how regular... Lee, we will put that out. But for those that are looking for something different, I'll let you guys know more as I know more. Um, Going down uh, to Louisiana in May, so I'll let you guys know. Um, Yeah, if you're looking for a fiction book um, or a fiction series, my favorite author, James uh, Rowland's just released uh, Kingdom of Bones, I have read every book in the Sigma series. I've, I haven't read everything that he's written because I'm not really a fan. I tried reading, he has this like weird um, vampire Catholic series that I'm not really a fan of. But I love the Sigma series and it's 16 books. Um, it's really good. Starts with a book called Sandstorm and then it just takes off from there but um yeah it's it's fiction meets james bond meets you know it's basically something science with some type of hist- uh like historical um with some kind of like historical mystery that he solves through fiction that maybe has never been solved but i mean that's a great thing about him being of fictional writers he f- he figures it out you know he makes something he he makes it up but anyway um definitely yeah please keep listening subscribe listen I'm really sorry I've been gone I will I'm gonna shake back I'm trying to get through Giles Milton's book before I start school back up so that's the mission and, um, yeah, I'll catch you guys next time. This is Emily Hookins of The Evaluation, The New Age Book Club. <laughs>